Welcome to Surfing the Psychic Waves. I'm your host, Christina Walsh. I'm excited to say hello to the globe. In this show, we hope to bring you new ideas to your spiritual path by letting you hear how other folks have walked their path or how they awakened. We'll be talking to surfers, psychics, and metaphysicians about meditation, healing, spirit guides, and other ascension tools you can use to catch your next wave. So if you're surfing the winds on Venus or jumping the rings on Saturn or writing Haley's Comet right now, this is the place on Align Radio where we sort it out. So planet Earth, the solar system, and every being in it is waking up in some way or ascending on their spiritual path. We've been experiencing extraterrestrial light shows, and it's hard to continue to hold on to isolation or separation within ourselves the more we notice these extraplanetary activities. So we want to notice the change in energy and that you can feel these activities of Earth and beyond sky. And just this week, we had a fireball over the San Francisco Bay Area, Wednesday night, October 17th. And yes, there will be more this weekend. Astronomers think that there is an errant piece of rock from the asteroid belt between Mars and Jupiter traveling in an orbit that happened to send it into the atmosphere over California. So fireball, meteor, whatever you want to call it, it was really cool. It's possible that this meteor is part of the Orionid meteor shower, which peaks Saturday night, October 20th, and it's best seen in the hours before dawn on Sunday. The Orionids, which happen every October when Earth is passing between the orbit of Halley's Comet, and even though the comet itself is way far away, it's headed towards the outer reaches of the solar system. Its debris from Halley's Comet just spreads out along its path, and that's part of these meteor showers. So let's ride the waves of our new ascension, psychic, or spiritual spaces together and share our stories. My special guest star surfer today is John Matarazzo of Logical Drift, and you can find out more at logicaldrift.com, and we'll be listening to his music in the background of this broadcast. In 2010, veteran musician, writer, composer, and producer John Matarazzo partnered with legendary producer and sound engineer Logan Strand to form Logical Drift. Over the last 30 years, John Matarazzo has worked on major recordings and performing with many artists that you'll hear about today. John has changed the direction of his muse to focus on spiritual projects now, pioneering some of the early recordings of ambient and electronic music like John Zorn, Ja Wobble, McHarris, and Buckethead. His success in this genre attracted established world and jazz artists such as Ravi Shankar, Nusrat Fateh Ali Khan, Herbie Hancock, Lee Scratch Perry, The Gamelin of Bali, Lata Mangeshar, The Monks of Notre Dame, and The Buddhist Monks of Mitri Vihar Monastery in Tibet. He's been opening the doors again to expand work on world and new age projects. Matarazzo was drawn to immerse himself in the origins of this music of the world. He's journeyed to Bali, Indonesia, Sumatra, Tibet, North Africa, Morocco, Mali, and Thailand, and has been recording these native sounds along the way, and we'll hear more about that today. While continuing on his spiritual path, Matarazzo took an interest in developing the psychological compositions using electronic music elements instituted by Carl Heinz Stockhausen and Pierre Boulez. He experimented with their concepts and adapted them to create psychological dreamscapes and oral environments, and you can hear that in the background that evoke spiritual responses from the listener. Synthesizing sounds in acoustic laboratories, Matarazzo developed a palette of unique and emotionally resonant sounds from simple sine wave generators overlaying harmonic spectrums and resonating filters. And those for our folks listening from SoundCloud. 
the results of which are evocative and sensual oral landscapes and alternative worlds. His latest CD is called Colors of Asia. It was released June 28, 2012 by NYC Music, which we'll hear throughout the broadcast. Find out more about John Matarazzo and Logical Drift at logicaldrift.com. So let's jump into the surf. <laughs> so I'd love to talk about Logical Drift and the project itself. I love Chang My Drift. That's my favorite, I think, so oh, really? far. Yeah, I yeah. Like that one. And uh, this album, Colors of Asia, just seems to capture just such the heart of Asia to me. And, and I've only been there once, um, and it was a long time ago, but it really, really brought me back. So uh, as a spiritual person on my path, just like you are, it's like it really, you know, it really touched me. It's touched people who have... Uh, listened to it and they made comments to me so I just want to share that with you oh yeah the well the golden triangle is one of my favorites you know I spent some time there uh, many years ago doing some field recordings there of some of the traditional music and visiting some of the uh, Karen villages up in the mountains on the border with uh, you know the Burmese border and mm -hmm. it's a beautiful area I've always loved it I haven't been back since but it's always been you know in the back of my mind as a place you know I want to return to one day what happens to you as a composer and a musician when you're collecting these sounds and what happens to your brain? <laughs> I don't know. Some people would say I lose my mind, but I, I like to look at it more as, you know, I get inspired. You know, just hearing these different sounds just gives me, uh, well, inspiration, I guess, you know, to, uh, you know, to, you know, try new sounds because I just, I love working with sounds, all different kinds of sounds. Uh, you know, as I've said uh, many times, it's just it really, for me, all sounds are music. Uh, you know, music that's using a different tonal scale or music, music that's being made with just sticks beating on other sticks or if it's people beating on, uh, on pieces of metal, it's, for me, it's all music. And I just try to listen to it and try to understand what is being conveyed, what the sense is that uh, people are trying to, you know, when we make music, we're trying to convey something, a feeling, an idea, a thought. So when I hear these sounds, I just, I'm always thinking, what is this sound saying? What is it trying to say? What's the emotion? What's the thought? What's the spirit it's trying to communicate? And, you know, when I listen to the music wherever I am in the world, that's always the way I'm thinking. Of. That's always the way I'm thinking, even if it's not music, even if it's just noise on the street, people talking, cars going by, machines running, whatever it is, I just try to understand it as a sound that has some intelligence behind it, I guess. That's probably the simplest way to put it. Yeah, I, I can tell. I can feel that. And would you call yourself a sound healer or someone who's an investigator of sound? I don't know. I would hesitate to call myself a sound healer. I'd like to think that people enjoy what, what they hear, but definitely a sound investigator for sure. <laughs> Or a sound explorer, yeah, maybe sound that's explorer, a little yeah. softer, <laughs> a little bit easier. Sound healer sounds like, I don't know, it sounds a little intense, but... Um, I don't have a medical degree, if that's what you're looking for. <laughs> so tell me about what happens on, on your travels, and obviously with the sounds telling you their stories, you know, how does that yeah. that translate for you into, I guess, a musical composition, and and, and what's going on, I guess, spiritually behind that? Oh, gee, that's a big one. <laughs> I just get right to it. Yeah, <laughs> I can see that. 
you know, we're all surfing the psychic waves, and it can be anything, you know. Yeah. And uh, it could be the technique that that someone actually uses their, their human instrument with this, you know, musical instrument, and how that creates sound. And and others have sort of a spiritual practice behind it, or a whole new spiritual kind of outlook to share with people. So, so yeah. So, what was your question again? <laughs> so, so what? Uh, what would you say sort of happens to you spiritually as you're, you're sort of building these these sounds into, you know, an album? Well, you know, I don't want to say, oh, I go into another space because that sounds like corn. Uh, but I really, you know, get so intensely involved in it that I just lose track of everything else around me. And f- for me, I, I really try to set aside time. You know, like I don't like to jump into something like some music and say, oh, I've got to do this new piece, so I've got like uh, 15, 20 minutes here, i got an hour there. I can't work that way. I really mm-hmm. need to be able to just close off everything and know that I have uh, unlimited time to do what, you know, what's, uh, what's going on in my head and my spirit just to be able to get it out in the way I want to get it out. You know, if I feel like, oh, I've got a half hour, I just don't want to do it. I'd rather not do anything related to music if that's you know I have, if I have to try to squeeze it into a time schedule uh, because yeah. you know, once once I get into it it just takes me out there and I just lose track of time I guess I just uh, I really get a great feeling from it and I love doing it that's why I've been doing it all my life uh, but what it does for me spiritually um, I don't know I guess it gives me a chance to express uh, my spiritual nature, the spiritual side, to you know, try to make contact with with the uh, the mystical aspects of life. It's, it, I mean, all of us can't be a hundred percent open all day long, yeah. <laughs> every single day, and and so it it sounds like you get this great sacred space, and you you stay in there while you're creating, and then then this great work comes out of it. Right, right. I try to. You know, when I'm working, I try to immerse myself and just try to, I don't know, com- commune with, with ultimate being. Just try to put myself in a place where that can happen. And if I can't do that, I'd rather just not do it. I'd rather just not even begin the attempt because then I'll just be frustrated. So, you know, many times I'll just go for days or weeks without doing anything musically just because there's too much going on around me. And I want to be able to just be able to close all that off and just go off and commune. As it were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. That's the only way I can do anything useful. I really feel I can't. You know, I can't do it if I have to do it piecemeal. And yeah, I don't think it works. You know, I don't think it works if you try to do it that way. Yeah, I mean, I think I, if there are folks out there that can do it that way, I think they probably have something that's you know singing along in their head the entire time <laughs> that never stops. But uh, well, yeah. you know, I've. I, you know, I've done that uh, when I was, you know, you know, uh, you know, working in the studios in Manhattan, you know, as a session musician, basically that's what they expect of you. Show up at 10 a.m., here's the music, you got three takes, get it down and go. You know, because you've got a lot of other people coming in and out, you're doing music for a TV commercial, you're doing music for uh, whatever, you know, a, a movie soundtrack. And you've got to be able to get in there on the money, they're counting every second, because you know studio time is expensive and you've got to be able to just sit there and play what they want and no excuses or they don't call you back <laughs> you can't say oh i think it would sound better if... yeah right it doesn't work that way 
but as I said, you know, I've done that. I can do it. But, you know, when I have the luxury of being able to sit there and just, you know, contemplate and do the music that I love, that's really what I, what I like doing. Yeah, and uh, it, you can definitely hear the the sense of freedom behind behind the songs. And and right now, um, you know, on a line, we are playing uh, several of your songs, and and we'll have listeners uh, take a little sneak peek um, a little bit later in the broadcast. But um, what would you like to say, I guess, to aspiring musicians out there? Um, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't quit your day job. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I, you know, wh- what can I say? If you have, if you have that feeling, if you have that spirit, I guess, if you have that musical sense, then you're going to follow it. You know, and I would encourage anybody who has it to develop it and follow it. My son is uh, a guitarist, and uh, he didn't know he was a guitarist until one day. I think he was 10 years old. I said, "Here, this is for you." I gave him a guitar. He said, "What do I do with this?" I said, "Just put your fingers here and just start strumming." And he took it from there. And, you know, he has a great musical sense. Everybody that uh, that hears him says, wow, he's amazing. He's got a real musicality about him. He's got a real feel for music. But as I said, you know, not everybody has that. Uh, you know, but that seems to be a gift that, uh, that he has. And, you know, he's pursuing it. So I would say, you know, for, for any person who is aspiring uh, to down, you know, to, to go down that road, uh, if you've got the talent and you you know you've got that feeling for music, then you you got to follow. It. You don't have a choice. You know you're you're gonna you're gonna follow it. Yeah, it seems that now that we're kind of in this time of 2012, it seems like like you almost better follow it. <laughs> yeah. It's gonna come after you anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. But, you know, on the other hand, you know, if, you, if you're going to try to make uh, a career out of it and, you know, support yourself financially, now is a very tough time. Very mm-hmm. tough time to do that for, for musicians because uh, there, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, upheaval in the industry right now, a lot of, you know, new ways of delivering music. And, you know, things are kind of like in a state of flux. So for, for young people who want to make it, you know, something that they can really you know, make a living at, it's it's a tough time. Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of the social media aspect that you really have to have down, and you're certainly posting your own music all over the place, uh, just like we're doing with the line radio. So, yeah. you know, there's it's great all the new technology, but then it makes everyone very accessible. And so I guess, you know, people finding your music is probably another phenomenon where there are those musicians that don't really, they just want to play. They don't necessarily need to be found. Yeah, no, that's cool. <laughs> you know, that's what I said. You know, if you have that feeling, you know, you're going to do it. Nothing's going to, nothing's going to stop you. Yeah. So I would say, you know, to anybody who's aspiring, you know, go for it. Enjoy it. That's all I can say. You know, that's, that's what we need. We need people who just love what they're doing. Yeah, exactly. So what else inspires you? Certainly the travel behind the music uh, is inspiring to you, but is there, is, are there other things that are sort of feeding into a development of an album? You know, usually it's just, for me, it's just sounds. I may hear a sound somewhere and say, wow, that's a cool sound. What can I do with that? And I'll, it may just take me off in a direction and I'll start doing something with it. 
and uh, in other in other circumstances it may just be like I'm you know just sitting at the piano or you know playing the guitar and I just accidentally stumble across something like I'll just start playing something that I don't know where it came from it just came from from a different place and uh, then I'll just say wow that sounds really good how can I develop that and I'll try to develop it into something that uh, you know people can listen to uh, and it's and not just me, you know, just making mistakes on the guitar or on the piano, but you know, try to, uh, you know, refine it, as, as, I guess, and uh, make it something uh, listenable and, and, and meaningful for people. So, do you have songs sort of follow you around sometimes? Yeah, yeah. I have one right now. As a matter of fact, I was in Poland over the summer, and I was, you know, doing just doing my daily uh, routine on the guitar and I just made a couple of mistakes and all of a sudden I said wow this could be a really nice uh, guitar piece I just now I'm in the process of developing it and it'll probably be uh, this is the first two albums we've done so far have been pretty much uh, keyboard and uh, keyboard and synthesizer based the next one you know based on just this one little piece that I kind of stumbled over will probably uh, develop the next album into more of uh, a guitar-oriented uh, uh, work. Yeah, so so tell me about those albums, Logical Drift and Colors of Asia. But then you also worked with Varan Voyage, uh, the uh, Yoga Ravi Meditation Shankar. Series. Yeah. With, yeah. Uh, with uh, Ravi Shankar, yeah, that was a whole different project. Uh, I was... Uh, sitting with some friends and we were talking about uh one of them's a big yoga enthusiast and i said you know we've got uh a lot of Ravi shankar's recordings in in uh, in our archive because i own a record company and uh i said you know maybe something like that would be interesting to uh, some of your uh, yoga enthusiasts and they said wow if you could do a, like a yoga meditation album with uh with Ravi shankar's uh music like a remix that would be fantastic and i said Okay, it's you know it's doable. We can certainly put something together, and uh, that was how Varanasi Voyage came about. Yeah, it's great. That's and, been playing too. Yeah, so really that was aimed for uh, kind of like a, to be like a meditative uh, music uh, to accompany a, a yoga workout, actually. And uh, that's how that whole thing came about. Just you know, I was talking with, uh, as I said, with a couple of my friends and that idea just kind of came up let's do a, a yoga album we're going to do another one too with uh, the music of Nusrat Fateh Ali Khan which is uh, uh, the uh, Pakistani um, uh, Gawal music Yeah. and uh, we'll be doing something with him for like I guess what we're calling a power yoga workout nice so that's, that's something that's uh, in the works also that's great well, yeah, we, we look forward to hearing that. Me too. You know, right now it's only in the in the talking stages. Uh, we have the material. We have all you know all the masters. It's just a matter of getting it into the studio and seeing uh, what works out. You know, we, you never know. We just don't know how it's going to evolve. It could it could uh, could evolve uh, into something very uh, very exciting. That's that's what we're hoping for. Yeah, I think um, it just seems like the whole musical realm right now is just really uh, all sorts of innovation is sort of coming out of it, not just the technology to deliver music, but 
just kind of the way these collaborations come together. See, music's just happening all the time. <laughs> really? <laughs> Around here, <laughs> nonstop. <laughs> so tell me about unusual collaborations or collaborations you never saw coming uh, in your career. Just kind of different enlightening uh, periods most, of most music. Of the colla- most of the collaborations I never saw coming. Uh, you know, it seems like people, I just kind of run into people or they run into me and, you know, we just start working together. Uh, case in point is uh, Bill Laswell. Uh, from uh, from uh, the years when I owned uh, Celluloid Records, Bill was their kind of their in-house producer, and he had you know a number of hits in the uh, '80s with uh, Rocket, with Herbie Hancock, and later he evolved into doing a, a lot of world music with people like everyone, from Ravi Shankar to uh, uh, who else did he work with? He's done Yusa Endur, um, Aid Diang. Mm-hmm. Many, 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 many well-recognized world artists, and uh, I ran in. I, you know, as when I took over the company and we got together, I ran into him one day on the street, and he said, you know, we should do some projects together, and that's how we wound up doing Subharmonic Records, uh, which was one of the first ambient uh, uh, electronic uh, uh, labels. But you know, all this kind of stuff is really. I don't know, serendipitous, I guess. And uh, we uh, just just kind of works along. That's how. That's pretty much how my whole career has been. Just you know, just running into people, talking to people, and just you know, things evolving out of that. Uh, that goes right back to the very beginning when I was uh, working in New York with uh, a guy by the name of Alan Ronowitz, who was my manager. He also managed Bob Dylan, and he. Uh, was managing a group uh, <clears throat> that had just released an album uh, on Elektra Records, you know, uh, Warner Brothers, and mm-hmm. at uh, simultaneously with the album's release, the group disintegrated. Uh, so there was no band to go out and promote the album. So Al said, "Okay, you're going to be the band." <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> I said, "Oh, okay." <laughs> so we got some. I got some of my friends together. We uh, started rehearsing and we went out to promote the album. And then I ran into Sly Stone, and I wound up, uh, you know, as a result of being on that tour, I started working with him. And then from him, you know, we were on uh, on the road, and I ran into Ike and Tina Turner, and I started working with them. So it's just been like, you just kind of meet people, you know, you make you make connections, and things go from there. Yeah, very. E- you make it sound very easy, <laughs> but I guess it's it's that there's no there's nothing stopping you. You know, and I think some of us do put the brakes on, and we don't go far, farther with you know our talent and stuff for whatever reason. And then other people are just like, "Wow, I can Tina Turner. I'm gonna hang out with them for a while." <laughs> well, it, it's I've always been a person who uh, like I know what I want. I know what I want, and I know what I what I have to do to get what I want, and so I don't. I try not to create obstacles to getting what I want. I guess that's the simplest way to put it. Yeah, I like that. You know, it's a. Uh, I'll give you a very simple, very uh, banal example. Uh, I went into a camera shop. I guess it was about uh, three, four weeks ago to buy. I wanted to buy a new Nikon camera. 
uh, and I knew I wanted a Nikon because I'd spent, you know, a lot of time reading and doing research and, you know, trying to figure out who had the best cameras. And I went into uh, Brothers in, in Manhattan, down on uh, 34th Street. And I walked into the camera department. There was a young woman there who was looking at this camera. Oh, I want to look at that one. I'll take, uh, you know, I want to try this one. Tell me about this one. I, you know, the, the, I, 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 uh, I, I really am confused. I don't know. And I said, give me that camera over there. That's the one I want. Took the camera out. I paid her. I left. She said, how did you do that? <laughs> no, she didn't know that I spent like a week <laughs> doing research. So it looked easy. I just walked in. I said, give me that camera. That's the one I want. So, you know, it looks easy if, you know, if you haven't seen the background, you know, if you don't know the backstory, so to speak. Yeah. So how how would you say you actually got your start? Like, when did you really know that you were starting down this musical career path? Well, I started studying music when I was uh, in, in grammar school. Uh, you know, I, they had a music program and it was a good way to get out of class. Like, I, so I took drums. Because you know you had to choose from class. Nice. <laughs> so you know I I started studying drums and from there my father said hey would you like uh, you know would you like to study something more seriously uh, and uh, because he was a, you know he was a, a big music fan himself I said yeah okay and he said well how about organ would you like to study uh, organ and I didn't even you know I didn't think about it like what's an organ and what, you know what am I doing I said yeah okay I'll try it. So they bought me uh, a, this huge Wurlitzer organ and signed me up to take lessons. I started studying, and then a couple of years, three or four years later, you know, uh, in the 60s, the Beatles came out and the Rolling Stones, and I said, okay, I'm going to get a guitar, <laughs> enough of this organ. I need a guitar. So I got myself a guitar, and I studied, started uh, teaching myself guitar. And from there, I, you know, just evolved, started a band. You know, we started playing uh, high school dances and then eventually playing in clubs and then doing concerts and it just kind of built over the years and I just always uh, stuck with it. Yeah, so could you attribute just any one person to giving you like a break or was it just sort of, it seems continuous the way you describe it, but... You mean in terms of, you mean in terms of a career break? Yeah. Oh, there were so many people, you know, it's all like... uh, People in my family, you know, because um, one of my cousins worked for um, Musicor Records, and they had a lot of hits in the uh, 50s and 60s with groups like the Platters, Gene Pitney, big pop artists, you know, that um, got got a lot of attention. Uh, so my cousin was their national sales and marketing director. Uh, eventually, he went to work for uh, an import an import company that. Uh, that brought international music into America. At that time, you know, world music was called international music. Mm-hmm. And uh, he uh, had a friend who was the president of CBS Records. And he, uh, this is how I got into the, uh, into the business side of the music business. And uh, he uh, had, uh, CBS at that time had, this was in the days of Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson was their biggest selling act. And they also had a big act on their uh, international label, uh, who was uh, a diamond-selling artist who sold m- millions of albums all over the world, but in the United States he was a complete non-entity. He was completely unknown. And uh, uh, the president of CBS at that time, Dick Asher, called up my cousin Chris, who he knew, 
and said, you know, we've got a guy here in uh, in the Latin division who wants to be a big artist in America. Uh, his father is a very influential attorney, and uh, we need to do something for him. But the guys here in New York in the sales and marketing department don't want to be bothered with him. They've got Michael Jackson. They have their hands full. Mm -hmm. Can you help us out? So we set up a little marketing company to start to market the um, the Latin music for from CBS. And uh, we basically broke Julio Iglesias in the United States. <laughs> I pretty I thought you were going to say Julio Iglesias, but yeah, oh, that, that's that was, great. That was Julio. So we introduced him to the United States to the American market. You know, because the guys in New York were like, "What's a Julio? Why do we need a Julio Iglesias? What is it?" You know, they had they just had no interest <laughs> in it. Yeah. So uh, you know, so. That got me into the music, uh, into the business side of the business, of of, of, of music. I already was in the uh, the music side, you know, I was do, doing session work and recording, and you know things just kind of, I don't know, came together. I guess I don't know. If you hang around long enough, you know, something will happen. <laughs> that's about the only way I can put it. It seems like that's the way to go. I mean, the music's going to follow you anyway. So you might as well just keep showing up. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. But there are, you know, amazing stories of kind of how things come together, but I think probably for most musicians out there it's a daily it's a daily occurrence. Like the story about Julio Iglesias seems really big, but you know, that's happening to lots of musicians all the time, every day. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, it helps being in, a, in an environment where there's a lot of musicians, where there's a lot of activity. You know, being in New York, you know, it's there's a huge uh, music industry. You know, I suppose maybe if I lived in, uh, I don't know, Terre Haute, Indiana, I wouldn't have the same uh, the same opportunities or the same shots. I would eventually either have to do something else or move to New York or Los Angeles, somewhere where, you know, there's, uh, you know, opportunities in the business. But, so what about the music scene, let's say, in Los Angeles versus New York, or is it just where musicians just happen to be? How well, Are there any differences? Or Well, there's music, musicians are there because there's work there. You know, and, and I love L.A. In, in L.A., you've got a, a huge uh, music scene because of the film industry, mm -hmm. uh, because of the television industry. You know, music is, is necessary for, for both of these mediums, for film and for, uh, for TV. Uh, the same in New York, the same thing, you know, we, uh, you know, we've got uh, uh, television networks that are based there and music is necessary. So if you're a, a good, and you've got great music schools, you've got concerts, you've got venues, you've got clubs, you've got places, you've got outlets. Yeah. Unlimited, almost an unlimited number of outlets, you know, for anybody who wants to perform, there, there are places. And I think that really nurtures and, you know, helps uh, to develop a... Uh, uh, a, a great music scene because that's really what you need you know you need to, you need that uh critical mass i guess is is what uh, the physicists would uh, would call it you know you need some critical mass to make it all happen yeah so you know yeah. being so being in new york being in la you know there are a lot more opportunities it's just it's just that critical mass where you can, uh, you know, meet people, make contacts, and you know, develop uh, develop opportunities. How would you describe kind of how you've evolved as a musician? Another big question. Yeah, really. 
these are like cars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how have I evolved as a musician? Well, you know, I started off, you know, very, very simple, rudimentary stuff. And in, when I was in college, I was certainly, uh, you know, just a rock and roller, just, you know, doing what everybody likes to do. But I always had a feel for classical music, always enjoyed classical music, and always was curious about sounds in general. So as I got older, some of the, you know, the, uh, uh, it, I kind of just, you know, kind of, I, I guess it's something that happens to everybody as, as you, as you mature, you just uh, kind of leave behind the, uh, kind of the frivolous stuff, you know, the, the stuff that attracted you when you were 15 or 16 no longer attracts you when you're 40 or 50, mm -hmm. you just, you know, you start to look at things differently, you hear things differently see things differently just because of the uh, of the process of uh, you know experience you know your experiences teach experience is the great teacher and uh, you learn even in music that you know sometimes the stuff that you thought was really cool when you were 15 is really you know just kind of uh, not very interesting anymore when you're uh, 30 or 35 or 40 and you start to look deeper for something that's going to be more satisfying something that's going to make you feel uh, you know, better, something that's going to make you uh, feel like, you know, you really had an experience that has, you know, a deeper meaning. And uh, I guess that's, that's kind of how I, that's kind of how I evolved. I guess just like you know, anyone would, uh, you just look for, you just look deeper, you start looking deeper and deeper and deeper. And the deeper you go, the more, the more you find and you just keep going and going. That's, that's the way I feel about it. I know you have a, another album that you talked about that you're working on, or it's in the works. Well, and where else do you see your your music going? Well, I'd like to do more in uh, in in uh, in films, you know, like film scores. That's that's really where I'd like to I'd like to see it going at this point. I really like to do more for film. Uh, at the same time, I'd like to do some some more uh, accessible things to a. Uh, I guess more in the line to do some some vocals on uh, some of the uh, on some of the new projects. You know, we'll see where that goes. Maybe something with the uh, on this new album, something that's got a little more of a South American, Brazilian, or Argentinian tango feel, something like mm -hmm. that. But again, keeping that uh, you know keeping that uh, kind of meditative feel about it. You know, I, I have been to Buenos Aires for a giant tango conference many years ago yeah and i was just stunned by so much music live and super professional musicians that just yeah. everything about them was just perfect that i've really forgot about the dancing part and that's kind of why i went there was like lessons it was a big congress of tango wow dancers cool. yeah cool. it was really fun it's in march almost every year in buenos aires and it's called cita and people from all over the world go and they take classes by all these famous teachers and in, in buenos aires of course i don't i don't know exactly who they are but i'm just ha i was happy to be there but every night you go after lessons you go out to the clubs and there's different ones that host you know different uh musicians and and uh, ensembles and stuff and it just was amazing and it's all it's all live music and they play non-stop for like three hours and um i, I can't even dance that long <laughs> you're giving me a great excuse to go to argentina <laughs> yeah i mean i'll put that on my calendar 
No, I, yeah, see, I, I, I say that because we just we've been working with an artist uh, by the name of Tali Roth, who's a uh, a classical guitarist, and she just did an album called uh, Tango Nuevo, uh, all basically Astor, a lot of Astor Piazzolla compositions, and it's yeah. a, 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 you know I just I just love that that music. Yeah, it's just really deep, soulful. Uh, it really moves you, and and it's so happy there when it's performed live. Um, I think in the states we have this idea that tango maybe isn't such a happy dance. <laughs> like it's not like we think of salsa, but it really, really is. <laughs> yeah, no, the, you know the way they, I think the way it's presented here in the United States is like uh, a serious kind of like a macho, you know, kind of thing, which it, which yeah. it really isn't. Uh, but uh, yeah, I love tango. Tango is yeah. So that's probably the next album is going to be something like that. It's going to have much more of a South American feel to it. South America, when it calls you, it calls you. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I was in uh, uh, in Madrid uh, last uh, last month. Oh, well, actually in August, at the end of August, with my son because, as I said, he's a classical guitar, a classical guitarist. And uh, he got to the point where he said, uh, look, Dad, I need a really serious classical guitar. He's got a really good guitar, but he wanted to go to Madrid and buy one from the, uh, you know, the guys who make the guitars that Aldi Miola plays, that uh, John McLaughlin plays, that Paco de Lucia mm-hmm. plays. I said, okay. So uh, we were in Poland. I said, let's, you know, go to, go to Madrid and we'll see what they've got and maybe we'll pick you up a guitar. Anyway, we went to uh, Madrid and we went to uh, the... Uh, the studio of um, Felipe uh, Conde. He makes uh, he's made guitars for everybody from Bob Dylan to, as I said, Paco de Lucia and uh, mm-hmm. Aldi Miola. And we uh, finally wound up buying a guitar for him for my son, and he was just ecstatic. Um, and I said, okay, we've been we went to at least 15 luthiers in Madrid, all who were you know supposed to be top of the line guitar makers over the space of two days and I just said look okay I've been to every, every guitar maker in Madrid well how about if we do something cultural and we went to uh, 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 Coral de la, de la Moreria where they have uh, you know flamenco dancers the best mm-hmm. flamenco dancing in uh, some of the best flamenco dancing outside of uh, Granada and uh, we went there you know for an evening and just hung out with the uh, musicians and, uh, and the dancers and that was we had a great time there I love flamenco yeah, flamenco is just that's see that's very dramatic. That was kicking. Oh yeah, that's very yeah. dramatic. Yeah, but at the same yeah. time, very joyous. Everybody was having a great time. It was great fun. The musicians yeah. were, were, you know, a bunch of great guys. Uh, the dancers were incredible. Uh, you know, their choreography was just mind blowing. But uh, yeah, but you know, flamenco is one of my great loves. I love flamenco music. Yeah, I would have to agree with you there. So maybe this next, maybe maybe you're making two albums right now. <laughs> I think we'll try to. I think we'll try to work it all into one album, if if possible. Yeah, maybe two. Could be. At this point, yeah. you know, it's it's uh, it's uh, you know it's it's wide open. We'll, you're just going to see how it evolves. I certainly enjoyed uh, being on your program. Oh, thank you. Thanks. Thanks for joining us, and thanks for letting me play your your works on a line.